Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today, we discuss a more serious and potentially controversial topic. Ooh. Ah. Why do we as artists even bother anymore? Featuring discussions around the erasure and censorship of art. Hey everyone, it's Ryan and Joe here, and we just finished our podcast about uh, some controversial stuff, and we bring up topics such as uh, suicide and Black Lives mental Matter, health. mental health, all that jazz, uh, especially me more on the mental health side. Racial relations. This is more so just a racial relation. This is more so just a trigger warning. Yeah, transgender community, yep. LGBTQ, sexuality. Yeah. yeah. It's more so just a trigger warning. Just to say that uh, there will be some heavy topics thrown in, in here. I uh, just want to be able to say that. Not saying we don't want you to watch this. We do want you to hear our opinions about how art, uh, how mental health or how heavy topics are presented in uh, art and film. And how we just want you to know that if you do need help, please contact someone, even if it's a parent, teacher, something like that. And we want to make sure that every listener is has our best interest at heart or we have your best interest at heart. So that's all we're going to say and hope you enjoy the podcast. We're going to skip past our mm -hmm. medium shot and go right into our close up. So just for a bit of context here, right into the action, baby. Just for a bit of close, a bit of context here with Warner bros erasing entire film movies and shows for tax write-offs in other companies, editing old movies and shows to erase problematic elements or making them unavailable altogether, they're all setting dangerous precedents that make Ryan and I uneasy as contemporary filmmakers. Not just for the history of our medium, but for its future. If nothing from the past well, is sacred, then nothing from the present can be either. So how can we as artists give full effort to make art if there's always the active threat it'll later be mutilated or hidden away the moment it's uncool? So that's what we're into today. Yeah, it's, uh, what was it, $20 million in tax write-offs? Which, it's if so you're much. a big... They canceled so much. We have a big Fortune 500 company or whatever it is, that's literally nothing to them, but they just wanted to write that off. And also, how dare they? During Brendan Fraser's comeback, you cancel Batgirl, where he's supposed to be Firefly, which is an underrated villain. He's goofy, but he's an underrated villain. And also, Batgirl is an underrated superhero. I love Batgirl. They She's made an the underrated whole character. movie. They made the whole God. movie and then canceled it as a tax write-off. And then I think Quarter Digital did a fake trailer for it, and then it got taken down by, <laughs> by Warner mm. Brothers or something. Ridiculous. But now it's back up. It's just... I How understand... Awesome is Oracle? Really cool. Oracle's a great character. I think they like Oracle more than Batgirl. There's a lot of, like, bat people in Hell the... yeah who are, like, on the streets. Oracle was unique in that family. Anyway, I just find it... I understand Warner Brothers went through a recent corporate merger. I believe it was with uh, Discovery. Discovery, wasn't it? Yeah. Discovery, Universal Discovery, some, something like that. One of them. Both yeah. of them. Who cares? It, Discovery Universal, I think it... Anyway, but how bad were Warner Brothers' financial situation that they're cleaning house so much? That they, that they need, maybe it's just the new management looking to 
really cut down on waste, mm-hmm. or maybe the company was just doing very, very badly. But still, it, the, the fact that they're canceling so many works of art is concerning for artists everywhere. It's not just canceling works of art. I heard they, I don't remember what, this is off the top of my head, but I heard that they canceled a really popular animated show that had been going for a couple seasons, and it was one of the most popular adult animations out right now. And then they just canned it for a tax write-off. And now it's not available to watch anywhere. And that really pissed off people. A friend of mine told me about it the other day. I don't remember what the show was called. But that, that is the state of entertainment right now in many ways. It, oh, yeah. And they're also taking shows off streaming services, which is also... That's disgusting to me because the whole point of these streaming services like HBO Max is that it's got the entire Warner catalog on it going back 100 years. It's got everything Warner Brothers. So if you can't find something they made on that streaming service, it effectively doesn't exist. Which, why would you do that? If people are willing to pay for it? Yeah, I don't know. If people are willing to pay for something, you think... Oh, okay, I'll I'll give them that thing. Like, why would you take anything off the streaming service that's supposed to have all your stuff? That's just like yeah. that, they're intentionally trying to erase things. And maybe that's because, oh, maybe they're problematic or whatever, or maybe it's for a tax write-off. The reason doesn't matter. The fact that they're erasing it at all is sketchy to me. And they have the rights, they can do what they want with it. But it doesn't make it any easier to stomach, especially if you're a fan no. of the thing that they got rid of just unceremoniously. No, not at all. And I had this problem with um, kind of uh, with Paramount for a little bit, but then I realized they just got rid of... Uh, I was trying to watch The Godfather on streaming. It was on Netflix for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it was owned... I don't know why I didn't realize this, but it was owned by Paramount... And they got rid of it in every other streaming service except Paramount Plus. Uh, and I think they did that because they have a, a limited series called The Offer about the making of The Godfather, which I heard is really good. Oh, yes. And that's that's completely different where what uh, HBO Max has done is they've just gotten rid of stuff. And Straight you can't up. watch it at all. Netflix has done a few, with, a few as well. They've gotten rid of a few Netflix originals, which once again... They're Netflix originals, so if you got if you got them off Netflix, you'll never be able to see them again. Yeah, or just go to an HMV and buy a DVD copy. Which kids, if you don't know what a DVD copy is, is what we watch as children. You've watched it on a disc, and they're superior to streaming kids because no one can take them away from you, as long as you got disc players, and the disc works. Mm-hmm. Nobody can just you take it down. Your, did you know that your PlayStation and your Xbox are actually DVD players? It's the same thing. God, we're going to get to that time where kids are going to be like, I didn't know this played movies. and I'm just going to kill myself because I'll feel like I'd be too old. Anyway. But yeah, I really hate... And it all comes down to... And the stuff that they're canceling aren't problematic. It's just a co- like a... It's literally a tax write-off. Because it's either quality control or they've put in millions and millions of dollars into this stuff that they feel 
it probably won't get enough. Uh, they won't get the money back in return. So they just say, we'll just get some money back in return for a tax write-off. Because they know the stuff that they've been pumping out has not been the best. In terms HBO of Max quantity. was pretty much the best, though. It had the best. It was. I'm it just had talking the about the new, like, in to, terms yeah. of DC stuff. And okay. t- in DC stuff, I mean. Because that's what most of the stuff that's been canceled. Because I think of the acquisition. Yeah. Where maybe, uh, and I've heard rumors just from other podcasts and stuff that it wasn't HBO's doing or Warner Bros. doing that they wanted to make this tax write off. But the only reason the deal went forward uh, is because Discovery Plus. Some, maybe some people at Discovery Plus said, we're not going to take these unless you cancel these so it's a tax write-off because we don't want to pay an additional 20 mil for something which, we didn't create. Which, once which again, is also just... Business sense, you have fine. Unlimited money. Fine, you can do that. But uh, now I'm not super well-versed on the legality of these things, but I was talking to Justin earlier about this, actually, and he had an interesting idea about how to resolve situations like these. He says... Okay, if you don't want it, put it in the public domain. That way you can still wash your hands of it, but the rest of us can yeah. still use it. Now, of course, they wouldn't put Batgirl in the public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't put Batgirl in the public domain, but they, you know, maybe release the footage. Excuse people me. could complete the movie on their own. There'd be fan edits. Just yeah. let people do what they want with it. Don't put it in a vault never to be seen again, even though you film the entire movie. Give it back to the artist. Or if you don't want to do public domain, give it back to the artist. Let the director who did it finish the movie with a right. director's cut or something. You don't have to release now. it. It's all... They can put it on the internet. Just, like, why yeah. do you have to put it in a vault never to be seen again? It's... I don't understand. So you don't make money. Yeah, because they it's it's all it's all company led. The people, I like that's an obvious thing, but it's all it's all business people led. It's not artists leading these companies. It's people who have billions and trillions of dollars. It's stock uh, investors, and they don't understand or they don't care about the art. Just as long as it makes them money. And I can understand that from a business standpoint because if they're investing in something, they want to have a return on it and they want to have the best return possible. But also the best return possible can also be the shittiest movie that I've ever seen in my life. And they just don't, they really don't care about the art. They just want something that's simple that they know that works. And if they feel that they don't want uh, a certain film to come out because they know it's going to be taxing for them because yes they're better off than most people but let's face it 2020 was hard on everybody this pandemic's been hard on everybody and if they can save 20 mil from a tax write-off then i understand that but also it's just disappointing because there's just been uh not too much hype but a lot of hype towards batgirl yeah especially with brandon frazier and the character itself having its first cinematic debut the costume looked great the actor looked great in the role and I'm really disappointed. We're going to cover this question on different aspects of what we're going to be talking about tonight. But I'm going to ask you about the tax write-off specifically. Why do you as an artist still feel like working on things when there's a, there's a chance it could just be 
a tax write-off? Why do you want to act in things that might never get released? What what is tell me what's as an actor? What is your incentive? Why do you still care to act if it'll never get released? Well, I think it just comes down to one word, really. It's just passion. I have passion for this business. I have passion for this art. And no matter which role I'm doing, you can always find something likable or enjoyable to do it, uh, whether it's a serious thing, a serious scene or a dramatic, uh, dramatic scene, comedy scene, a scene where you're literally a tree or a dog. There's always some fun, something fun to do in a film. And the vibes on set are always fun. Uh, I haven't been on a lot, sadly. But the ones I have been on, it's always been good vibes. People, and uh, they're just working people. And it's not just you in front of a camera. There's the camera operator. There's the sound guy. There's the guy who's pulling focus. There's the makeup people. There's the lighting crew. The gaffers. There's the director, the producer, the person who's reading the script for you. And it's just, it's a whole, it, it's, it, and it's great to work with a, with a team and it's just, it's, it's passionate and you all try your best to do your own part into making a piece of art come to life through visual medium. And I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I agree. I'm going to flip it just a little bit. There's one group of people you didn't mm-hmm. mention. And if we're talking about Batgirl and action movies, I'm going to say, what about stunt performers? Stunts? Some of these. Yes. Yeah, stunts. Yes. Let's say, well, Tom Cruise is the most prominent stunt person. So I'll say like, okay, so Tom Cruise risks life and limb to do Mission Impossible movies. But what if Mission Impossible move? What if they just said it's a tax write-off? He freaking risked his life for your entertainment. And then they just say, nah, yeah. it's not worth showing people. How does well, that good make thing about, you feel? Good thing about the stunt program in America is that they get paid regardless. So that's well, that's not, that's not the point. They, They're they doing it to entertain people. I know people. it's not the point. But just to kind of counteract your point there where... You risked your life for you a can specific show up, you reason. You can show up on set. They get... Stunt people get paid up to show up on set, I believe, in America. Yeah. Uh, where I think it is, or was in China for the longest time, when um, Jackie Chan was coming up, where if you didn't work that day, you didn't get paid. But there, there, is, a, there is a clause in a lot of stunt people's contracts in Hollywood where <clears throat> you just had to show up. And you still get a day rate. But if you did a stunt, you did obviously get paid more. But I, I understand what you're saying. People do risk their lives for this job. There are a lot of... Say something tragic happened on Bad Girl and... Because injuries happen a lot on film sets. Yeah, and say somebody got injured, got somebody, really somebody injured, died. Someone got killed, you know? And then they just say, nah, this out movie's not worth showing people. Yeah, out of respect, I feel like you have to show it. Because what, yeah, what? it's not worth it. What did they die or get hurt for then? Yeah. It's like, okay, this is, well, these people are risking their lives too. So I'll say, okay, what about uh, the military? You know, maybe it feels weird to talk, compare military to entertainers, but military go to different countries and they Mm -hmm. fight tooth and nail for their lives, for certain ideals, for whatever their country sends them over for. And, you know, there's a lot of stories about this. Why do we go to these places and fight and die? Because you, you need a reason to go there. You need something to fight and die for. And stunt performers, it's like, okay, their reason 
to risk their life is for our entertainment. They're not doing it like, like soldiers do it for ideals or for patriotism or what have you, but stunt performers risk their lives for your entertainment. So if people aren't being entertained by you risking your life, well, then you're just risking your life. So what's, what's the point in working? Well, right. why am I, like, am I going to risk my life and then no one will ever see this? So where, where's the incentive? There isn't really one, unless you just like risking your life for fun. But it's also, I mean, like you said, you got to have a passion for your craft, but I'd understand why people would just be turned off entirely. And it's not just stunt performers, of course, it's everybody. I mean, every, nobody wants their hard work thrown in the can. It doesn't matter, you got paid for it. Yeah. Film and art are not like other things where you just show up to your job, do your bit, collect your paycheck, and to the end of the day, pretty much everybody there wants to be there for a reason beyond money. And that reason is to entertain people for the love of their craft, to better themselves, to be in that set vibe, like you said. And if you don't get to show it's all about off your the work... It's all about the creative process. That's more yeah. fulfilling than any $1,000, million-dollar paycheck than any actor or crew member will ever get. I'd take a million-dollar paycheck, though. I mean, I would take it, but I would appreciate the... We could build a set. Yeah. So, well, I guess we should probably come up with a reason people would want to. I have plenty of reasons. Want to cancel projects? No, not cancel projects. Why would you, as a... Why would you want to work on a project that might be controversial we're well no, we're going to talk about like canceling in the you know mm, or later on okay. in, in the in the societal so i mean canceled is in tax write-offs like what happened to bad girls just can right, right, right. and never shown again so okay there's we already came up with plenty of uh, reasons why people who work on things would not want to work on projects because they might be canned but if you would want to work on things well, I guess like you were saying, it's just for the love of the craft. It's, it's all just love, yeah. Being, being on that set, doing, doing your job, even if nobody sees it, would be gut-wrenching and extremely disappointing. But I guess you could say, like anything, uh, your craft needs time to hone, and you still got practice at it. You're probably better at what you were doing after the experience than you were going in. Mm -hmm. So even though nobody got to see it, it was like, oh, great, I got paid to practice, which is cold comfort, but, it exactly. still, but it's still, okay, you're doing the thing. And I guess maybe you could say there's less pressure attached to. You can just, it maybe emboldens risk takers to say, oh, well, if nobody's ever going to see this, I'm just going to do what I want, whether it's, make big acting choices or go crazy on the direction, play things less safe because pff, if it's just going to be a tax write-off and nobody will ever see it, I may as well do what I want, right? So right. maybe in a way that could embolden people. Yeah, for sure. It's weird because it's such an early example of it, but I, I, don't, I don't know what the real vibe would be on set if people knew that the thing that they were working on would either be a tax write-off or a just know it won't get the proper views. 
I'm not saying the scenario they know. I'm just saying... Okay. You, you're working on set with that possibility always hovering over you. Especially, I see. Let's say you're working at Warner Brothers, well, and, you're yeah. thinking, and you're thinking, well, I don't know this movie's going to be a tax write-off, but look at what happened to Batgirl. Are we going to be the next Batgirl? Yeah. You don't know, but there's always that possibility. My idea is you try to think of it as... Uh, in a sort of way, you try to think of it as, oh, I just hope this movie doesn't bomb. Yeah. Where you, you go into, you tr- you put your heart and soul, you're supposed to put your heart and soul into every movie you make and know that uh, you have hope that it, it does well enough so that it can help better out your career. And if it, and you j- just try to think of it as uh, people, you try to think of it um, so, I've completely lost my train of thought. You try to make sure you don't have the mindset of uh, that it's going to bomb. Because if you think it's going to bomb, you're not going to try your hardest. You got to go all in. Scene. You have to go all in all the time. Even if it's you eating. Like, uh, you know this about me. I have a very picky palate. I'm a very picky eater. And if there's a food on the table I won't like during a scene, I'll still eat it. I'll still have to because that's, that's what the scene requires. And it's, you know, it's developed over, thank God. It's developed better over the few uh, over a few years, but that's just a minute detail, a minute uh, example, yeah, of what could happen. So take a th- listen. That's from really me. at the end of the day why people are there. It's just to have fun. It's a fun job. It really is just to play dress up for a couple hours uh, a day or a few months out of the year, and I it's it's hard to explain, but when you're reading a script for a character that you were trying to create and when you're able to embody that character go through the motions come up with his likes his dislikes what music he listens to you know all the little things that matter or don't matter and you're able to present that on screen or stage and be someone completely different to yourself and have people watch that and believe that that is a character and not you. It's just the best feeling ever. In a way, it's in a way, it's tricking the audience and saying that's not Brad Pitt. That's a different character. And I, it just, it's there's a strange beauty to it that yeah. I can't really describe. It's just when you're playing a different character. It's borderline bipolar. But it's you get paid for it, so it's fine. <laughs> you're in the mind. You're in the mind of somebody else, but you're also still mm-hmm. yourself. There's a couple. There's a couple layers. You're not just saying your lines. You're becoming another person for a couple hours. Exactly. It's you know. Were you talking about all this acting? Well, that that's that's all your perspective and all mine to an extent as well as an actor. But if we're talking about things not seeing the light of day. You just reminded me of a point here. From my end, I'm a I'm a writer primarily. You're an actor primarily. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a writer. I'm a pre-production guy. You're talking about the camaraderie on set and everything. What about guys like me who mostly focus on pre-production? I do all this work just for something that nobody's ever going to see. At least you guys on set got that camaraderie and got to act and, you know, embody those characters and play get, you know, makeup and mm-hmm. wear cool costumes and maybe film explosions or stunts or like you guys kind of get to have fun. I'm just locked away in a, 
room with my computer, which to be clear to me is really fun because, you know, writers have to be a certain breed to enjoy it. <laughs> but I mean, you could be one of those writers that forces themselves on sets. Could be one of those guys. Be like, no, that's not how I wrote it. You could be one of those guys if you want to. I, I, I am that guy. That's why I <laughs> do my own. Anyway, I, I just feel like it's a little harder for pre-production people to be like, I wrote this whole script. I spent so much time on it. And now, once again, like I said, you could always say, well, I got better at my craft. But also, I think that's harder because like you were saying with the uh, criticism, people believe I embodied this character. Well, if the movie never gets made, you never get that criticism. I, as a writer, never get that criticism. Mm -hmm. It's hard to grow in your craft without people seeing the thing to tell you how you could have done it better. So that's also... It's it's so tricky. It's one of those things where, because I like to think of myself as a writer too, but I'm not. I just write ideas down and don't fully develop a script, but I love writing. And a good representation of you just got to push forward and keep trying I think is Jonathan Larson who is a real life uh, playwright who made Rent that's one of the before oh my god that's what he's famous for if you don't know biopic that I liked (laughs) Tick Tick Boom not really a biopic but it's a yeah Tick Tick Boom Tick Tick Boom's a weird one but yeah he wrote I love Tick Tick Boom it's because it's it's about the play that's about his life yeah but it's not a biopic yeah, uh, the off-Broadway play uh, starring Andrew Garfield, Vanessa Hutchins, all that. That jazz. he wrote. That he wrote. That was loosely based on his life. It's a movie adaptation mm-hmm. of a play he wrote about his life. Off-Broadway. So it's play. like. So it's yeah. It's kind of a third degree removed. Which a lot situation. of which a lot of famous. Which a lot of famous theater people have done plays of, after Jonathan Larson did uh, of Tick Tick Boom. Because it's a it's a good off Broadway stage uh, musical. Mm-hmm. I believe Neil Patrick Harris has done it. Lin Manuel Miranda's done it. I'm pretty sure. Well, he directed Tick Tick Boom, so he's definitely mm-hmm. so a fan of. He he loves Jonathan Larson's, and I what a great he's a I only bring him up because in Tick Tick Boom, he does he has the workshop for his upcoming play. They want to do that's not Rent, by the way. I believe it's Superbia. Suburbia. Sorry? I think it was Superbia. Yes, Superbia. That's what it was. Which, there's a whole uh, storm or team of people that want to see that musical brought to life or just an album done done of it because the one song they do in is actually pretty good uh, as a theater nerd myself. And he goes through the workshop. He goes through the the state the the writing blocks that he has. He can't. He needs to write this one song for this one character, and it's so tough, and he can't figure it out. And then at one night it just hits him after, you know, I need to get out uh, of this apartment because I'm going to lose it. He's, he's swimming in, in the gym and the song just comes to him. So he goes home, writes the song. It's a beautiful song. It's an uplifting moment in the film. And then calls his aide, uh, does the workshop in front of all the producers. Uh, I don't know if Stephen ha- Sondheim is actually in the movie, but his I'm voice sorry is we're in the about movie. to spoil Tick Tick Boom for you. Just you should gonna, see it anyway. I'm sorry to kill your flow, but. Just got to warn yeah, yeah. the people. And it's a beautiful film. And so he calls his agent and asks, okay, so when, when do we start? His agent's just like, what? It just uh, start with the next thing. 
And he says, no, but, but everyone loved it at the workshop. But when do we start? And she just, and it's a beautiful moment where the, you hear her sigh through the phone call. She just goes, John, you just got to keep trying. Just got to move on. Go to the next one. And at that moment, when you you've well, you got to have some it's context. A, it's here. a thing you hear. He'd been working on that musical on, for yeah. about like what was it, like fifteen years, five years or something. I think it was five years. It's six years it took him to write it. Yeah, he worked on this thing for six years only to have his big moment mm-hmm. and fail. So that's time he never got back. So it's 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 heartbreaking. And then he wrote, and then he wrote Tick Tick Boom, and then he wrote Rent. Uh, but what's something so beautiful about that is it's, it really sucks. But if you have the passion to just keep moving forward, if you're a writer, if you're an actor, if you're, I was going to say producer, but they don't have much passion, but if you're a director, they got passion for money, passion for money, you just, you just have to keep going because you have, you do have a voice. You do have this art form you want to produce and you want people to hear it. And he was able to show that through his uh, off-Broadway play, Tick, Tick, Boom, and through Rent, which I have to bring up, he never even got to see live because he died the day before it was supposed to go live, which is so sad. Yeah, it's tragic. Oh. Tragic okay. uh, playwright. All right, so do you want to pivot to the social side of canceling now? Not when a business yeah. does it, but when society does it. Yeah, this is one I hate more. Because at least business, at, at least with the tax yeah, write-off thing, I'm reason. like, okay, your your reason is to make money. It's very, it's black mm-hmm. and white. This thing wasn't going to make money. You didn't think it was profitable. So you ax it. Okay. But society canceling you, well, that could be about literally anything. You just need to, like everybody, every opinion that could ever exist has an opposite. So if you express any opinion artistically, you're going to piss somebody off. It's inevitable. Unless your work is toothless and has zero stances on anything. Actually, no, even people just existing is a stance. I'm trying to think of an example here. You walking around with that hat is going to piss off a lot of people. You're taking a stance. You're not saying anything, but you're you're still saying something just by existing with that hat. So it's like, what are you gonna what are you gonna get right? I think. So I have a little bit of a tangent I had in mind for this part. Now it starts off with what I love about Superman. And what I think Frank Miller gets wrong about Superman is people know Superman stands for truth, justice, and the American way. Which, as a child, I used to consider truth, justice, synonymous with law and order. And (laughs) then, yeah. And then as I got older, I realized, I'm like, no. No, truth and justice. Truth is, you know, what facts, what actually is happening. Justice Mm -hmm. is when wrongs are done 
and they're righted in fair and measured ways. Law and order is just, yeah, law and order is just whatever the powers that be at the time say are right, and then they enforce it. Yep. And that could be the people who make the laws, or it could be the people who make the social laws, like Twitter. I'm not saying I agree or disagree politically with whatever is popular to hate on right now. I don't like to pile on anything without knowing all the facts. But what I am saying is that what people hate right now hasn't always been hated, and it might not always be hated. Let's say, like, even an extreme example, Nazism was cool once. It's hated now. It's seeing a resurgence, because there's a backlash to the backlash. We're going there. We're going there. (laughs) You know, I don't support Nazism, but I'm also saying... There's there's a there's a flow to it. It was cool, and then it wasn't cool, and now it's kind of becoming cool again in a lot of circles. And then it'll probably be. I don't know if "cool's" the word. <laughs> yeah, you heard you heard it here. Nazism is cool. That's the close up. <laughs> um, that's our brand now. Seal of approval. But, uh, no, we, we do not condone Nazism or fascism Obviously. of any kind. Uh, any isms, in my opinion, are not good. To no go, isms. To kind of uh, paraphrase Ferris Bueller. But, yeah, actually, no, that's just what I... That's, isms are not good, mostly. But, yeah, so that, that's, the, that's the point. Whatever is people love or hate... Things can change. So that, to me, is the difference between truth and justice versus law and order. And I think cancel culture is the mm-hmm. law and order. It's not necessarily what's objectively... It's slowly, get, slowly getting better. Yeah. It's not necessarily what's objective right and wrong. It's just what's popular mm-hmm. to think is right and wrong right now. What do, what do a certain group of people hate so much that they want to get rid of? And then it's canceled forever. Because someone Halle said Bailey something is Little 10 Mermaid. years ago. Oh. Who fucking cares? You yeah, know, like, honestly, whatever. like, who cares? As long as she can sing. And I'm saying, like, this is not to get too political, but it's a mermaid. We're here. She's not trying to... Re- this the, is the, 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 this the, the top. The, the character's not supposed to represent any certain culture. It's a mermaid. And I'm sorry to all the teenage girls out there that believe mermaids are real. They aren't. And some teenage boys is probably a thing. But it's just like, who who cares? And obviously, yeah, it's a diverse casting. But maybe, because we don't know, we're not in the room. Maybe they casted her because she was actually fucking good. Well, see, but that's, in that's the, trailer, the point. She looked good. We'll talk about The Little Mermaid. Good. There's There's a lot of people who would say, okay, well, we have a lot of reasons for, you know, not liking Halle Bailey, like... You know, this is an adaptation, and okay, this isn't how the character looked. And then the other side says, oh, well, you're objectively wrong because diversity is the, you know, this is the thing we should be striving towards. So colorblind casting makes more sense in a diverse society. And they're like, well, no, you're not objectively right either because, you know, adaptation should have some consistency. Characters are how they are. So are you just. Like, there is a debate, and both sides think the other is objectively wrong and that they're objectively right. 
but enough people are on both sides for even something stupid like a live-action Little Mermaid adaptation, which I'm not going to see anyway. I'm just going to watch the original. I don't care about this. I don't like Disney at all. That's another close-up thing. (laughs) But (laughs) the point is, whatever people think is right and wrong can change with the times. So when works are of art are made, they're unfortunately tied to the times. As much as you can try to make something timeless, whatever your stories are about are inevitably going to be what's in the world around you. Or something that was okay at the time that later isn't. And one example I'm going to give here is from Community, which is my favorite sitcom of all time. Mm. You cannot find Advanced Dungeons and Dragons anywhere. One of the best episodes in my favorite sitcom, which is taken down. Yeah. I told you. Yeah. I told you this. I recently watched Community for the first time all the way through, and it was during the time where that episode got axed off and i've yep. been told by you by my cousins who really love the show that it's one is one of the all-time the best, best ones episode of community it is one of the best and for sure now here's the thing i wonder if they will post it on youtube because the community youtube official page has weekly posted a full episode each week so i wonder mm-hmm. if they'll actually do that i doubt it i just heard news today that they have confirmed a film is being made beauty Six seasons and a movie. But my point is, at the time it was made, it was just a it was just a joke. Chang wore blackface mm-hmm. as a he was playing a dark elf. <laughs> and in And the, he got called out for it too. Yeah, and in the show, Shirley, who is uh who is a black character, looks to Chang all offended and she says, That's a hate crime. And he defends himself. He's like, What? I'm playing a dark elf. Which Once again, if we're being, you know, it's hard to see, like, the truth of the matter is is just when you're like when we were talking about truth and justice versus law and order here, the truth is Mm -hmm. dark elves have dark skin. He was doing a cosplay. Blackface is also a hate crime. Well, I guess uh, I'm not sure about the legality, honestly. Okay, so it is a hate crime. And Shirley acknowledges it, but that's also not Chang's intent. They have two different intentions here. Shirley can see a thing, and that's true. Chang can also see a thing, that's also true. And the fact that they disagree is comedy. But mm-hmm. blackface being wrong is the idea that's taken over as objectively right. Therefore, that whole episode should be banned. Yeah, that's, I... that, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's for a joke. They did the thing for a joke. We have to bring up context here on why it got canceled because it was, this was during or canceled. Why it got taken down was because this was during this was after the events of George Floyd and the the Black Lives Matter movement during June of 2020. So a lot of programs and a lot of uh, actors and a lot of producers were speaking out on this. And whoever owned community at this point said, "We're just going to axe this because it doesn't." Um, show uh or represent what we feel of african americans in the right way which clearly they didn't watch the episode because they make a joke about how chain is wrong 
and it had nothing to do with African Americans. He yeah. wasn't making a. It was, he wasn't it wearing was blackface. Reactive. Yeah, he wasn't wearing blackface to mock African Americans. Which the point of the, this r- rant right now isn't to talk about what community did right or wrong. The point is you can't access this episode anymore, even though it didn't really mm-hmm. like because people say it's bad, but it really. Like, the intent of it was not to be bad. It wasn't trying to be offensive. It wasn't making offensive all commentary at all. But the fact that they say this one thing is wrong about it means one of the best 20-minute episodes of any comedy show I've ever seen is no longer available to watch. That is good art that's gone because people took the wrong idea from it. Clearly, I feel like most of the people who wanted to cancel that episode don't care about community. Never saw it. Didn't watch Community. Just saw it. Yeah. They don't know why it was. Yeah. They saw. They saw. I bet you any money they googled blackface in twenty into two thousands, and they saw that, and they were like, "We have to cancel it." They see Ken Jeong in blackface, and that's enough to cancel it. Context matters. Artistic reasoning and intent matters. But I also say that even if it was bad, I think it it should be kept in. Because I am against erasure of any art. That was a time capsule for what was okay back then. Okay, so another example from another sitcom. I remember hearing that The Office had an episode where Dwight was in blackface. And they didn't have to get rid of that entire episode. But what they did was they edited out the scene where he wore blackface. Yep. Which, okay, that's a way around it. I'm, you know, I'm glad you didn't have to scrap the whole episode. Now, I'm not here to argue these things are, once again, objectively right or wrong, even though, well, I think blackface is wrong, but it's not. The The point is art should be preserved and not edited to suit our sensibilities. Because like I was saying, the law and order of the day says blackface is wrong. And that might change in another hundred years. Things might get really bad who knows and you know blackface is just accepted as fine in that society and then you're gonna look back on all those old shows and you're like oh why did we like why did we ruin why did we like mutilate those old shows chop things out erase them entirely like maybe societies of the future will find that entertaining which yeah once again that's a that's a future a lot of you including me would think of as a dark one but also it's like well we're erasing things this is a bad yeah. example because i'm trying to say you'd be if like entertained by the offensive stuff in the future but my my point is art is how it is it's we shouldn't be changing it i i'm all for things that throw like trigger warnings up front we out here yeah art is subjective it cannot yeah. be objective so calling uh, an episode of community racist and promoting blackface is just wrong you can tell because if every so say if community just as an example just say every piece of media that had blackface in it was meant to offend let's just say it was yeah then everything about it would probably be taken down but it's not it's used as a comedy purpose for community and the whole reason that got taken down I bet there was no call for it. I bet it was just react reactive from Hulu and Netflix because maybe a few voices popped it up on Twitter 
and they didn't want to get canceled. Yeah. The only thing that I'm surprised never got brought up or never got canceled was Tropic Thunder and Robert Downey Jr. basically changed complete skin tone in that. But the whole reason for, and I love Tropic Thunder, the whole reason for that quote-unquote controversy is because he he is is technically doing blackface. He's he's a method actor, and the whole joke of the show is, or, or the movie is, he's playing an Australian method actor who is so method, he has surgery to have to darken his skin to yeah. look like an african-american that is the whole joke and the african-american in the movie is offended for the entire movie they acknowledge mm-hmm. it they acknowledge it multiple times it's used for comedy purposes and joe rogan brought up in one of his podcasts with robert downey jr and robert downey jr said 90 percent of my black friends thought hey that was great and the other 10 percent, i understand why they're mad but okay. it's, it and it all ends with intent it all ends w- with intent there's so with Tropic Thunder or Community, the intent was not to offend. The, the intent was to bring up these subjects, poke fun at them, realize that they are bad, and, move and on. call out the character who is doing that. Because if we don't, we, we, the characters, if the characters in the world know what's bad, then we will know what's bad. But to completely annex or cut out a piece of media just because it shows a representation of that is is just wrong. Okay, One I'm gonna, that really... Well, you go, and then I'm going to counter you. No, you go, you, you brought go, up, you go, you go. It's a different topic. Yeah, you brought up an interesting point to me there. It was about, you said intent's the only thing that matters, which I, I think back to film school, and I don't know if they still teach this, but what about films like Birth of a Nation? That entire film is blatant <laughs> KKK propaganda, Yep. But it's also a landmark in cinema history for it's being the fucking way taught you, in every piece of film yeah. film uh, class for the way it utilizes editing. And I'm pretty sure they're trying to, you know, that's another one. They're uh, another film they're trying to suppress. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, okay, so you know, we can all acknowledge KKK propaganda is bad. Nobody has to like the movie. But to not acknowledge what it did for film history just seems mm-hmm. like you're you're act you're trying to it's like you're trying to teach history without showing important parts of history because you're trying to protect people from how history actually was, which is so exactly. dumb. It's like oh, so this is this is history, but we're just gonna cut out all the parts that we think won't gel well with modern sensibilities. It's like well, nobody's saying it's. Yeah, when you erase history, you're just prone to having that history be repeated. Exactly, you're the not saving anybody from it. You can not teach saving people, anybody from it. Yeah, you can teach people things were wrong, but also things deserve to stand as a relic of their time. Even well, like yep. like like Tropic Thunder or Community or Birth of a Nation, which you know they all have completely different intents on how they handle it. But at the end of the day, they're all time capsules to this era, and. Mm-hmm. If you edit them, it removes historical component. It's like, well, you know, this was acceptable at this time, and people can't see how far we've come if you don't see how, as a society, if you don't see how we were. If you try to erase how we were, how are we ever going to get better? But it's also... But the point of all this episode, which we got to double back to, is 
Why do we as artists want to make anything when the order of the day can hate it the moment it comes out? And a lot of people will hate it no matter what. Like I said, even you just wearing that hat will make people hate you. For like, And that's a very minor statement. So why do it's we very, as artists want... minor hatred too. It's yeah. like people from Montreal will be like, oh, come on, man. You haven't won since 1967. Yeah. yeah, who cares? So why do we as artists want to make something in a political climate that can change immediately? I can I'll tell make you exactly why. I can make I'll tell a film. You exactly why? Okay. We don't give a fuck about politics. We don't give a fuck about your political views. We're here to tell the truth or spin something and make a piece of art. I'm sorry. There's one cancel. I want you to continue what you're about to say. But yeah. there's one cancellation about a show in recent times or a change of the scene that really pissed me off because they brought it out to light. Uh, you just go. You just go on what you're. No, no, you say. finish. You finish. You're on a rant here. Okay. Ugh, this pissed me off so much. So a little Netflix show came out <sighs> around uh, what was it, 2018, 2017, called 13 Reasons Why. It uh. dealt heavily on suicide, drug use, and uh, sexual assault and rape. And the one scene that parents were losing their minds of was the main character, Hannah Baker. Spoilers. It's not, sorry, it's not in the show anymore. Ha ha ha, it's not spoilers. Is her cutting her wrist very graphically. And it's an uncomfortable scene to watch. You know why it's uncomfortable? Because it's fucking real. It happens to kids everywhere. I think we in because 2022 are scared done. of sorry, reality. Sorry, I'm not done. Sorry. I'm sorry, I'm not done. Sorry. You, so th this scene happens. People are all, all up in arms. And they love, and I love it when parents say this because they're such fucking idiots. They say, because you show the scene, now my kid had the idea to kill himself. And has a, here's a, here's glorifying, art, here's glorifying suicide. Here's glorifying drug use. No, it's not. I have never watched a piece of media where I've seen someone kill themselves, where I've seen someone kill other people, or no, seen some violence that. and been like, I, yeah, I should try that. No. Do you know what the real problem is? It's not the glorifying of the violence, because there isn't anything glorifying. It's their fucking mental health of the person that's watching it. That is the number one problem in the world. It's mental health. And nobody wants to talk about it because nobody knows how to fix it. The first problem with the suicide rate, especially in teenagers, is not what they're watching or what they're consuming. It's their mental health. And the only reason parents don't know how to handle it is because they can't handle it themselves. And it's not their fault. I am not saying it is their fault because mental illness is such a hard thing for people to wrap their minds around. And the whole reason why I'm so mad about this and the reaction to it is because the reaction was so strong because it was a graphic scene that around the third season, the creators of the show took that entire scene out. Fuck that. They did, they produced something and they showed something that was real and showed the horror and the graphic nature of what suicide does to teenagers. And they just completely annexed it. So now kids in the future will just think it's literally just it's sanitized. Her, they sanitized her, 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 it. It sanitized it, yeah. and it pisses me off because now we're just back to this. All oh, just walk it off, kid. Go go take a walk outside. You'll be fine. 
And when it comes to mental health and suicide, the first, the first step, I don't know how to solve it. I'm just a fucking kid who works like uh, a food service industry and is a working actor. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how to solve it. But the first step into solving su or t t for suicide prevention is to actually address the problem. Is to actually talk about it. Instead of, and I understand if you had trauma watching this and if it was too, I understand if it hurts you. But good. Good if it hurt you. Good if you, if it's hard to talk about because that's the truth. And we should talk about it and help kids today, especially during the digital age and social media, to just talk to each other. That's the first step is just to talk to each other about our problems and what, what we, what is wrong in the world and what's making us hurt. That's the first step, parents, is to actually, and, and kids, and kids to your parents. Please talk to your parents at least. You don't have to go to a professional. Talk to your friends, your parents. Just try, just, if you need to seek help, just try. That's the, that's the first thing. And it pisses me off that the fucking cancel culture and the Twitter rage was so hard on for the show that they didn't cut out any of the other graphic stuff in the show, but they cut out that specific scene because it was such an outroar. And I'm so mad about it. Now, you bring up a great point about, uh, about the sanitization of, of things, uh, because I think it's art, good art makes you feel, and sometimes we're supposed to feel uncomfortable. Sometimes things that shock and offend us are the point. And if you remove those things, art loses its teeth to affect us and affect change in us as people and as a society. And so I, I'm all for putting trigger warnings in front of things. I'm all for... Oh, for sure. I never... Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, put, put trigger warnings in front of things. Warn people what they're about to get into, how if you, people who if might you be triggered might be offended. Yeah. yeah. But don't sanitize what's actually in it. Let... If Let you can't, if say you what don't they feel like say. you can handle a piece of, yeah, if you feel like you can't handle a piece of media, that's completely fine. I'm not saying that you have to watch this. We'll warn I'm you. I'm just saying the fact that but they don't, had, don't the lessen the impact for people who chose to watch was, it. Exactly. Like, yeah, fuck. It, it's just, it just shows that the it's people there for who a reason. did sanitize it have no fucking backbone. I was so proud of them of showing it because no one talked about it. Because no one yeah. talks about suicide prevention and I, like, realistically, they don't talk about it. They have one assembly each year to talk about it, but they don't actually care. Because it, because uh, they don't know how to deal with it. And then they just got rid of it. It just shows you don't, ugh. It pisses me off because it's not coming from the network. It's coming from the fucking moms at Twitter who, ugh, yeah, I just, I, uh, I can't. Yeah, it's just, so, but, well, that's. Well, that's bringing it back to the main question here is why do we as artists want to make things where in a culture like this, we're going to be, try to, they're going to force us to cut the teeth out of our stories, whether they're, yeah. whether we, they just erase the story altogether because they think one thing is offensive. Oh, she cut her wrist. Therefore, we should cancel the whole thing or just cut out that scene, rendering it a worse product. Why do we as artists want to operate in an environment like this? And that's, it's very frustrating for me as, as a writer and storyteller. I mean, you, you as an actor, just, you know, 
you know, I'll get your perspective, but from from where I can see, you as an actor, well, you kind of just get what's put in front of you. You you work with things the best you can. But me as a storyteller and a, and a writer primarily, I'm the one making these stories. I'm the like it all starts with mm-hmm. the storyteller and the and, and the writer. And if I put in things for into my story that I think need to be there, but people just want to cut it out or say, oh, that that's offensive, but they just missed the point. And yeah, sure, maybe some things are offensive and just stupid and, you know, shouldn't be in there. But sometimes people just react and they miss the point. That's usually what it is. And that as a creator kind of scares me away from mainstream work. It's one reason I don't really try to get mainstream jobs as a filmmaker at the moment. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, I'd rather just do my little indie stuff where I kind of get to do my own voice the way I want to present myself. And if people find it and like it, fantastic. I don't need a huge audience, but I don't really want to be censored to appeal en masse. It's too... It's, It's stifling. It's exhausting to think about how everyone's going to react to me. Am I going to be canceled for something somebody misunderstood? It's ridiculous. And I shouldn't have to worry, have to worry about it, but it's also, that's that's how you have to go. That's how you have to go through life right now. It's just, you just can't worry about what other people think because they will, they always will just take something that you've said out of context and then twist the words. A perfect example is Dave Chappelle. Perfect example is Dave Chappelle how, and the uh, LGBTQ and the uh, trans community attack him constantly because he brings up jokes about them and they think it's completely offensive and they yeah, but- clearly don't listen to it. They clearly don't listen to what he's saying. I've watched Dave Chappelle's specials and he brings up the part of he had a comedic friend who was transgender who who did who did comedy and and apparently she wasn't very good or like that was one of the jokes and he lead and he keeps talking about the story and apparently this comedian posted something on twitter got attacked on online and she ended up killing herself hmm. which is super sad but guess what the community took out of that entire story wasn't about and his whole his whole point was i'm not attacking you but you need to stop cuz apparently uh the trans community wasn't a part of the whole community wasn't representing the whole community in a certain light and some people in that community attacked her online and the whole his whole point in that was, I'm not attacking you. I just want you to hear what I have to say and really listen to what you did to my friend was not great. Like, she ended up dying because of it. But you know yeah. what they took from that is, oh, he said that the trans comedian wasn't funny and he's attacking trans people again. It's like, you're not listening to what he's saying. It's, and I'm not talking about that community at, by itself because everybody does this. Everybody's reactionary right now. Why do we Everybody have to have commu- why do emotion. we have to have communities as a whole? There's a lot of different people in the trans community. I know. All have very different opinions. Why does it have to be one thing? 
like us versus Dave Chappelle, a lot of them probably thought it was funny, too. It's just like, why, why, why do, who are these people pretending they speak for their entire community? Like, these, those people piss me off. Like, no community yeah. unanimously agrees on anything. It's, it's just, re- it's really tough, and I know that's going to be a controversial topic, but I, they clearly just don't, there's people in that community. I don't, I don't want to summarize all of them, but there's people clearly in that community who don't fully listen to what Dave Chappelle says and don't listen to the lesson he's trying to teach. They just take one thing out and completely twist his words. It's kind of like being in a relationship, if I'm being honest. <laughs> if you're trying to, and you're in an argument, and then they take something out of context, and you're like, that's what you took from that? That's, that's not what I was saying. Go back to Tick, Tick, Boom, the therapy song. <laughs> My favorite one from that. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's a great. Yeah, yeah. we need to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, anyway, but it's just, and it's swinging back more so now to, well, hold on. This is not, we need to stop being reactionary to this. Why does this person have to be this, representing this certain race, this certain gender? Why can't he just be a person with a simple opinion, with a different opinion? This That's is not how things are anymore. I completely forget her name. But she talks, and she, I believe she is African-American, but she's very conser- she has very conservative uh, views, and she has very factual views. And she, she speaks, God, I need to look up what her who she is but she's very uh she's very well spoken yeah and drives her point home especially in people who are in her, her own community where it's she talks about lizzo a lot well not a lot mm-hmm. but there's been a few where she talked about lizzo and it's while lizzo you're so uh oppressed with your ten thousand dollar dresses selling millions of dollars each year and i think it's because lizzo won an emmy and she's talking about when you vote for these awards also vote for uh, these laws that are oppressing us, and it's your. And I guess she was talking about how Lizzo, you're not oppressed. You're literally one of the most successful people in the world right now. Interesting. Just Interesting. all that stuff. I need to look up who she is because she deserves some traction. So. Well, while you're doing that, just I'll just talking. Yeah, I'll just keep thinking about the central question here. Why do we as artists bother? Well, it goes back to, I guess, what you were saying earlier. Once again, it's, you know, it's, you just, you just got to stop caring is, is the thing. We're artists because, well, I know things are very much, oh, if it's not about my community or that community or, oh, this attacks this community or that community or I am offended over this or that. That's basically all discourse on all sides for everybody now. I'm not singling anybody out. It's just everyone. Whatever yeah. whatever group. If if you are a part of a group, you probably that group attacks other groups. And maybe it even attacks itself sometimes or different. No fragments. one can find no one can find common cause anymore. It's either you, I have an opinion on something and you have to agree with my opinion or you're just wrong, which is not the case. Even groups are fractured amongst themselves. You can't. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look at, uh, this is a bad example, but look at fucking back in 2020, the Black Lives Matter movement. There was uh, one side of the group that was very, we need to 
show our message that we are just strong black people and then that our people are oppressing us. And there was a very small, minute group of it that were saying, let's fucking loot buildings. Let's, you yeah. know, let's hurt people because of this. And the other side, that other side of the community was like, oh, well, they're not a part of our movement. It's like, well, they are. Like, but we, we just are. Have a different, they have a more extreme viewpoint than it. Yeah. Than, than they're like, but we are. And they're like, like they no, can, you're not. You and they're still, like, yes, we are. You're, they're like, no, you're not. You're still in the community. There's just a different side of that community. And it's a bad side. But you don't want any bad side in your community. There's too like, many there's, moral there's grays. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as black and white anymore. I'm sorry. There, in, in life, I mean. There's yeah. no such thing as it. Everything is gray. Everything has a moral gray area. It like everything does. To me, that's why I gravitate. That transitions into what I was going to say. That's why I, as an artist, tend to gravitate towards the basics. I like, you know, as a writer, I like the fundamental stories about human nature, the things that speak to us all, that just the stories that are about human existence and struggles we all face as human beings living on the planet earth and not about my community or people versus your community or people country race religion age gender wherever you're coming from i like the stories that speak to everybody and yeah there's specific situations characters will come from certain backgrounds like you're you're putting your focus in certain places but the stories themselves have to be fundamental and i think that's a lot of the problem with modern entertainment is that stories are not really fundamental anymore they're just telling specific narratives about whoever the story features which makes it unrelatable to basically anybody who's not in the community that story is about and that's just everything nowadays. And, you know, I'm glad there's a lot of new different kinds of stories being made, but also they're just, I don't know, there's just something about them that feels very insular and not very, like, big thinking. They're, they're kind of shallow in a lot of ways because they don't yeah. relate to, like, when, once again, let's say in a, in a more positive future, I've talked about futures where, you know, Nazis are prevalent or blackface is seen as entertainment or whatever but let's say a future where nobody gives a crap about the divisions that see that bind us today that uh, divide us today and they look back on our modern entertainment and they're like why were they so focused on their differences it's so stupid <laughs> like i don't like There's any of the entertain- push for it that i'm seeing yeah people would be like wow entertainment from the 2020s is trash because it's like it all focuses on groups that don't exist anymore. We're all just humankind. We don't care about that kind of division. So this is like an interesting historical relic, but like I can't relate to any of this. Whereas they'll look at something like one of my favorite shows of all time, Star Trek The Next Generation. It's all about just what we're like as human beings, human just philosophy, our our history, what makes humans humans. And those stories will always be relatable as long as humanity is recognizable. It's, mm-hmm. you know, those are the stories that'll last. Not something like, I shouldn't give any examples. It'll get too controversial. <laughs> but yeah, 
The yeah. uh, podcast I was talking about was uh, Amala Ekpunobi. I hope I'm saying her name right. And her podcast is Unapologetic. Okay. She has some so, yeah. shorts on YouTube that would be interesting for everybody to watch. But yeah. All right. It's just. Yeah. So that's where I'm at as an artist. Tough. I do it. I do it because there is a future beyond this division where the fundamental stories that I have a potential to write and to tell will last beyond whatever crap is happening now. Maybe some things will get mutilated. Maybe some things of mine will get cut or changed. But as long as I've got the artistic backbone to try to maintain it as much as possible, or people care enough about my work to try to maintain it as much as possible, then it'll exist for a future that can appreciate it. So I I don't need to be respected in my time as an artist as long as what I do impacts people the way I want, ultimately changes things for the better, I hope, even if it's not in my time. And I just think you, you need to try. Otherwise, like there, there has to be a point to, to stories, I, even if people react to them and cancel them and try to bury them and get rid of them. Well, you know, that's not a modern problem. Stories have always faced that, but we just we yell about it a lot more openly now because everyone can have an opinion everyone has broadcast, an opinion now. which just makes it twitter exists which just makes it more vocal these have always been problems plaguing artists and probably always will but we we got to try to affect if if my stories can impact the life of even one person, one person. in a in a positive way then you know what i've done my job as an entertainer i've exactly. i've started I've started the ball rolling because then that person might use whatever I gave them to do good or impart it on other people or spread good around. I just need to impact one person. That's all I care about as an artist. And whatever society thinks of me, whatever. I'm just aiming for one life to improve. <laughs> Thanks to... Well said. Yeah. So, yeah. you have any more to wrap up? I think I'm done. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just here to create something. And whether it be about controversial topics, whether it be about romantic films, whether it be about superheroes, whether it be about, you know... Whether it be about, you know, even if it's a movie like Blonde, where it's almost three hours of just absolute trauma, or if it's a film about Emmett Till that's about to come up and his murder, and, or, or if, it's even a if it's a film about, you know, four guys in Vietnam who've never been in Vietnam because they're all movie stars. It's all pieces of art. And to get rid of these pieces of art is not solving any issue. It's actually ignoring the problem. You're ignoring the problem that is being presented. That and you're what you're basically saying is when you're canceling these projects and when you're getting rid of these projects, you're leaving no room for discussion. And that is the worst thing a human being can do is not discuss something. Not have mm -hmm. an open conversation about it. And just ignoring something has done nothing to help history. And that's basically it. 
Yeah, when it comes to discussion, I'll just add there that things can be, once again, uh, we're talking about objectivism. You, they can be objectively, I don't even know if there is really objectivism, but people can believe things are morally fantastic or morally repugnant, but we shouldn't try to erase any of it. We should discuss it. If something's morally repugnant, we should say, not bury it in the ground, but say, okay, we as a society can discuss why we think it's bad. Not just say, not pretend it doesn't exist, or that the people who made it are evil for making it, because that may have not been their intention at all. Maybe their point was to start a discussion. But you're right. Discussion is the, the goal here. We need to stop being so reactionary and actually look at the media or piece of art as a whole and really understand what is being presented instead of being reactionary. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's, that's all we got to say here. You want to wrap up? Mm-hmm. Well, if you still want to listen to us after this, you can follow me at Ryan Walker official on Instagram and on TikTok. Well, we'll just, ironically, we'll just erase this episode. It'll, it'll be, mm-hmm. we may or may not post this <laughs> episode 25. It'll, it'll be the last episode of close up. The most the ironic one. The last episode May where we talk- wait to post this at like episode 50 or something. The last episode where we talked about erasure of media. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Thought Plane Media and our Facebook page of the same name. Also check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Find further film discussion and entertainment reviews on thoughtplane.ca forward slash articles. And if you'd be so kind, you can support ThoughtPlane Media on Patreon, link below. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews as that's a big help. There'll be a lot for this one. And how about clicking that like button if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Please come back. Till next time. Take care.